I mean, we we are a we are a creature, a human race that loves to gossip. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you know, as as a Christian, that's one of the sins that you don't gossip. Right. You're not supposed to gossip about others. Um, and yet we do. I mean, we, it's called out to us. Do not do not talk bad about your neighbor. And yet we do. Um, I I would bet it's exacerbated when power and you know celebrity stardom come into play because that because that's power and we want more power that's something that we want we feel like it's it's finite even if it's not and we want to take somebody else's power so which which i think kind of speaks to what we want to talk about today with um black history month uh we believe that the we seem to believe that power is finite and when we give power to our black americans of black history month we feel we generally uh, in, in a general sense, white America feels like, well, that, then what about us? So I'm looking forward to talking about that. Yeah, me too. So let's talk about that. Yeah. You want to get into it? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So let, so then fine, let's get into it then. Why not? You, you go ahead and start us off. Let's, let's have a discussion. Let's have an intro. Sure. Uh, hello everybody. My name is Kim. I'm one of your co-hosts. This is exciting because I've never done the intro before and didn't plan on doing it today. So this is great and fun. Um, my name is Kim. I'm one of your co-hosts. I am a white cisgender female living in Los Angeles. I work in television production and on the side, uh, my big, big passion is voter turnout, trying to get people to get to the polls by increasing the way that, or changing the way that we teach voter education, starting from kindergarten all the way on up. And uh, I've always been pretty liberal. Nothing has changed that. <laughs> I'm still liberal <laughs> and I'm stuck in my ways. So uh, Dan, why don't you tell people who you are? So I didn't realize that you hadn't done the intro. That's no, it was a interesting. Surprise. Um, four episodes in. I like to let people introduce me. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, well, I like to make sure that we share the power here because as your co-host, uh, as your partner, I don't want to ever, you know, make you feel like you're like you're less than. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so my, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's one of those days. So my name is Dan. Uh, I am your co-host. Uh, identify as male. Uh, he, him, my pronouns. I am definitely white, uh, middle America, middle class, Michigander. It's a lot of M's. Um, I have, I've always considered myself relatively independent, but right of center. Generally, I think I'm smack dab in the center when it comes to politics now. And even on, on many issues, lean left, I still lean right. Um, I'm surrounded by a lot of, um, right of center folks, which is cool. Uh, and, and I'm, and I'm excited to continue these conversations about what our America looks like. Um, even though it is a, you know, from a limited perspective, again, my white male perspective is, is only one out of 330 million perspectives. And so, mm -hmm. so that's me. I'm by, by trade, by profession, I'm a marketer. Uh, my passion is podcasting. That's a lot of P's in that one. I go from M's to P's apparently. I don't know what that means. There are other letters in the alphabet. Mm, I don't know. I, I am a sucker for alliteration. <laughs> I am all about alliteration. Ugh. Anyway, so that's our episode. My... You can find us on Twitter at Kim Moffat. Don't bother anything else. <laughs> I'm in a mood too. <laughs> this is going to be great then. Um, <laughs> you know, when, when we talked about the fact that we're recording in February, uh, you know, when I, when we laid out this idea for the show, I didn't even look at the calendar necessarily to think about what calendar things were up for us. But you pointed out, um, hey, dum-dum, it's Black History Month. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, absolutely it is. Oh, yeah, we should probably talk about that. 
serendipitously today, a friend of mine, uh, Jen Lewitweiler tweeted this article about a Utah charter school that is allowing parents to opt out of its black history month curriculum. Uh, yeah. I saw this too. And <laughs> I, I was just, I don't. So, so needless to say, that's what's on my mind as we go into this discussion about black history month. I also, this week had a discussion with, with a, a friend of mine um, who happens to live somewhat near you, Kim. Uh, uh, her name is Tammy Artlieb and she is in, uh, I believe the LA area. Uh, but she posted on Facebook, this thing about black history month. And my perception of her post, maybe this doesn't totally speak to what she was saying, but my takeaway was why do we give the shortest month of the year to black history month? And I was like, you know what? That's a fair question, especially considering where we are today. But I also understand the history of black history month started with the second week of February because of the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Mm -hmm. So being that we are paying tribute to Frederick Douglass and then Abraham Lincoln like is interesting to me. And it went from a week to a month. And so that's why it happened. And yet it shouldn't be just one month. So like all that happened this week. And so I am ready to get into black history month and on this episode, are you, what are, what are your thoughts? I, I think that black history month is obviously so important. Um, so good for me for saying that. Um, That's right. No, I, 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 obviously this is a very important month. I think that the danger, something that I get concerned about every Black History Month is that uh, white Americans are going to pat themselves on the back for 28 days of Instagram and Twitter posts and then spend 11 months saying, yeah, but we don't need to look at the ways that we have that we spend the rest of our year as said and all of february still we just outside of some instagram posts um not really educating ourselves speaking of this utah article on the history of our country not really doing anything to help our fellow americans who we have um created a system to um continue to cast aside um so but you know i'm i think the more often we have conversations it is better but they yeah. cannot be without action. Conversation without action is just people trying to puff up their own chests. Well, and I, I love what Jen said in her tweet. She said, what if we elevated or for starters, simply included black lives as part of U.S. history since black Americans are Americans? What if black history was taught as history? Mm -hmm. uh, and then she followed up with also uh, fellow white people. She happens to be a white American. Uh, learning about other perspectives does, does not negate you. Try it. You might learn something. And that alone, I was like, Boom. Right now, I believe that. So from my perspective, I, what I've learned over the last couple of years here, reading and listening to people of color and just trying to understand that, again, my perspective is one of 330 million uh, and as Americans um, that simply calling each other American with no other reference to who and what we are isn't necessarily the answer. Um, that's called colorblind and that's not OK either. Right. Right. And yeah. so so being that these Americans happen to be black with a capital B is very important. And so including black history in our history, a hundred percent, 110%, like that. Absolutely. Um, what I find interesting about this article in particular, this story, um, this charter school is in Northern Utah, which immediately tells me probably a super white community. Yeah. Right. Like, and that, and that's like, okay, that's fine. Nothing against that. Again, I'm not ashamed to be a white American, 
What I do understand though, is that in a white community, you're getting only one perspective, only one story, one narrative. You're not getting anything around you. And so to, to have this Montessori school, which also tells me like upper class Montessori is not a cheap school to go to. And, and I, I thought charter schools are free. I don't know about this one. I don't know if they have uh, a tuition or not. Didn't look that up. Don't really care. But Montessori is supposed to be one of those very high level education mm-hmm. experiences, Yeah, which should be multiple perspectives, not just one. So yeah. the fact that you're now doing this so that you can opt your, so that parents can opt their kids out of it. This isn't sex ed that you don't want your kids to talk about, like, which is a whole nother, but anyway, the, like we shouldn't. So the, the, um, director of that school or principal or whatever he is, uh, he said, we should not, she, now he reluctantly followed through on this thing, allowing parents to opt out their students. He didn't want to, his personal opinion is that they shouldn't, but he's, you know, at the mercy of his, community. He says, we should not shield our children from the history of our nation, the mistreatment of its African-American citizens and the bravery of civil rights leaders, but should educate them about it. Adding that parents requests uh, sadden and disappoint him. And like, that's great, dude. I mean, I'm, I agree with you. Uh, and his name is uh, Micah Hirakawa. Mr. Hirakawa, I, I agree with you, but come on, man, come on help these parents understand that what they're doing is detrimental. Why can't the tapestry of our history be filled with everything good and bad, every shade of skin color, every background. I, you know, as a Christian, I'm not going to negate the experience of an atheist who's doing good in the world. Great. Do good in the world. I have no problem with that. I like, I don't care what your faith is or isn't. We all, it all takes all of us. And so why not? highlight that and then also edit throughout the rest of our history because right now it's not but it needs to be anyway i get i this this article pissed me off to no end yeah and you make a great point about looking at other religions and other but you make a choice to identify with your religion somebody makes a Mm -hmm. choice to identify as an atheist and to live that lifestyle Mm -hmm. or to live as an atheist, to live as a Christian, to live as any number of religions that we have in this country. That's a choice that you're making. Right. Uh, Nobody's making a choice when it comes to their race, their genetic makeup. Right. So I don't know, just an important, I think point to make, even though what you made, it was a great point. Um, Yeah, I just can't even understand the thought process of somebody who just wants to erase an entire group of people, their history, their contributions, and also them as human beings. And and what, what I just, does it say in the article what the thought process is? What are they so afraid of? Well, we know they're afraid of, you know, I mean, feeling like their little world that they've built themselves into having could be slightly different right. than what they imagine and what they're trying to teach. But th- then then just say, we want to live in a white supremacist township or wherever they are. And, right. and that's it. And we're going to raise our kids in that manner. And that's what we're doing. And so that's why we want to have allow students to opt out yeah it's disgusting and dangerous it doesn't say exactly what happened it said a few families asked not to participate in the instruction related to black history month um 
Hirakawa declined to say how many parents or their reasons for making the decision. But yeah, it's it's clear you're 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 afraid. Yeah, I guess now that I say that, like I don't really care about their dumb reasons. I'm sorry. That's probably not the best way to go about trying to move forward and make progress. But um, I I think I don't care about the reasons because I don't think that they deserve to have more of a voice. Seems like they've got a pretty powerful voice in that town anyway. I don't really think that they need to have it elevated anymore. And and, and my my heart goes out to anyone in that town who is not white. First of all, like, you know, I mean, and I was going to start to say other, other intersectionalities, but even, even that aside, like if you're not white in that town, my heart goes out to you because now you can't stand up and say, but wait, what about, you know, like, and, and they're not, they're not saying they can't teach that history. They're just saying we get to opt out of it. So I get that. And you have a right. I understand that, but there's this responsibility too, you know, anyway, I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I shared um, on my on my Facebook, uh, Emmanuel Acho. I I tell you what, his show, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, mm-hmm. changed my life this year. Last last year, um, twenty twenty, absolutely amazing, powerful. The guy is just legit, man. Um, you know, so, so I'm going to say this in the best anti-racist way possible. I don't ever want to call a black man articulate because that just is so demeaning. But the guy has a way about him. Emmanuel Acho has this way about speaking and he's so intelligent and so thoughtful and so compassionate and so passionate and just so much about him. I'm like, yes, yes. Everything. (laughs) Like I love his show and the conversations that he has are just so filled with, you know, intelligence and compassion and, and insight. Um, And he tweeted this, this video, an answer to, but why isn't there a white history month? And so we'll share that in the show notes. Like, and I just shared it because I've, because I've had that conversation with people in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, what about white history? And I, and, and my answer is always, well, all of history is white history. That's how we've written it yeah. as the colonizers. That's what we did. We called the the native people who were here savages just because they didn't go to a church with us or what, like mm-hmm. now were the people, were there native people who were possibly savage and war tribes probably, but guess what? The Celtic people were pretty damn savage too, but we don't call them savages now, do we? We yeah. call them Vikings or whatever. Like, yeah, come on. So, people in general, the human race, can be pretty savage. Um, but you know, the, the colonizers wrote a history, and then when we, you know, purchased other humans and enslaved them, we wrote a history, and when they contributed we rewrote history to make it ours. So, so white history is just our history. We need to include all of the other histories in that. And then, yeah, then there won't necessarily be a need for black history month because we're actually teaching our history. Yeah. Yeah. We're a long way from that. So yeah, yeah, we'll share, we'll share Emmanuel's tweet on that. He, He has a great video about that. And I really, I was like, yes, this is great. It made me, while you were talking, think about the 1619 project, which is, as you said, Nicole Hannah-Jones did a phenomenal job with putting all that together. And New York Times, the way that they created this place for you to be able to go and really be immersed in this history and looking at it through so many different lenses, uh, the lens of time, of person, of all of this. Uh, But then for the White House under 45 to come out and say, this is not it. And what did they call their dumb project, like the American project or some bullshit like that? Um, didn't they just go with 1776? Oh, did they? 
God. Being I think so. God. Which, oh, like, because of course they can't be clever. <laughs> not, right, not, right. Not that you, and, like, don't be clever with your white supremacy, but also, like, <laughs> you know. God. But anyway, it just, you're not, it does not hurt you physically to tell the whole story about our country. What it does is hurt your feelings because you've built your whole identity on being superior to others and anything that tells you otherwise, even though it is factual and there is history and proof to back it up, anything that tells you otherwise is a lie, is done to hurt you specifically. It's not done for any other reason but to make you feel bad about yourself. I was very happy to see that on day one, Biden said, nope, we're going to turn that page off right now because it's dangerous Mm -hmm. because it leads to people being murdered. It leads to the continuation of white supremacy in this country. It leads to continuing to not pay black Americans at the same rate that we pay white Americans. It leads to continuing to jail black Americans at higher rates than we jail any other race in this country but particularly white americans it leads to all this that's a whole i mean the incarceration and and privatization the incarceration of black americans and the black male americans especially um and the privatization of our prison systems is a whole huge discussion there too and and you know again shame shame on me or or our education system or whatever it is i had no idea until I began to, to be interested, Mm -hmm. you know, and I consider myself a pretty empathetic person, but there's so much to learn that it's just sometimes overwhelming. So, you know, my journey into understanding the America around me, that isn't just my lens included that, you know, the, the documentary on Netflix, uh, 13 or the, Mm -hmm. the 13th, um, you know, how it taught, they talk in there about, you know, from slavery to, to prison, basically. Like, that's our that's yeah. our, our history. You want to hear some numbers, some prison stats? Yeah. Uh, this is from a Pew Center study in 2018. Out of 1,018 and up adults here in America, uh, out of 1,000, 1,501 black Americans are incarcerated. 797 Hispanic Americans are incarcerated. And 268 white Americans are incarcerated. The prison population in 2018, so we're going to look at the U.S. adult population and then the prison population. For black Americans, the U.S. adult population is 12%. The prison population is 33%. For Hispanic Americans, the U.S. adult population is 16%. The prison population is 23%. For white Americans, the U.S. adult population is 63%. The prison population is 16%. The, the thing is, you know, I've heard and learned and have listened when the the population of a specific race is far less than the population of that race in prison. It isn't that they're a more criminal people, right? Like if we really if here's what I struggle with, if you really want to be colorblind and see all of us as the human race, OK, then why do you attach things like, well, they're, they must be violent if there's more of them in prison? Right. Like then then you're not seeing us as one. You're seeing them as a scary race, which makes you a racist like that mm-hmm. makes that gives you racist tendencies. And and look, we're all raised in a racist system. 
So we all have biases. We have, you know, racial outlooks and things that, that can turn certainly negative. Um, but if, if you believe that we're all one race and we should be colorblind, then when you see that discrepancy, why doesn't that shake you to your core and say, wait a minute, it's not that they're a more violent race, it's that there's a system in place that is putting them in prison at a higher rate. That's an inequality that we need to handle. That should be the question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to to that point, Dan, in 2016, the federal government released data, data showing that uh, black and Hispanic Americans are still prosecuted for drug-related crimes more than white people, although research consistently indicates that white people are more likely to sell drugs than black or Hispanic Americans and just as likely to use drugs. So so let me understand this. Then. Let, me, let me rephrase that from my little simple mind. Sure. We... We are imprisoning the addicts more than those who sell. Mm -hmm. So we're punishing the addictions. We're punishing the situation that got them there rather than those who are selling them and who are distributing. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that's, that's messed up. That's yeah. And, and again, like, okay. So, so my little lens goes back to like my faith, right? My, the, the church that I used to go to, we have, they, they, they have a, a, a program called celebrate recovery and they work with those who are addicted who, or who've been, who have been addicted to drugs, alcohol, and other hurts, habits, and hangups. They say, so if you have any issues and we all got issues, um, you can use faith to help you get through that along with science and treatment centers, and everything else. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now with that said, my mind is blown with the fact that Christians don't see this problem. And instead we, I don't know, make fun of a president's son for having a drug addiction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a friend of mine who posted on Facebook, a meme making fun of Hunter Biden because of his uh, alleged addiction. I don't even know if it's real or not, but like, I, and, I, and I said, I reached out to my, to my friend privately and I said, Hey man, look that post the fact that you go to celebrate recovery, the fact that you're a recovering addict yourself, the fact that you talk about recovery and redemption and love, and then you post this because of a political difference, dude, not cool. Yeah. And he came back and, and I was, I was nice about it. I said it about that way, but I wasn't terrible to him and I, and it was private. He came back and said, you're absolutely right. That was wrong. I'm taking it down. Thank you. I was like, okay, that's great. great. Like, you know, you can disagree completely with the Biden family if you want to. I don't care. That's fine. But come on, let's not punish those who become addicted. Yeah. Substance abuse. Like they're, man, that stat, that I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked, but I'm surprised. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this is. Why do we do this in our. <sighs> because those with the power make the rules. And yeah. those yeah. with the power get to write the books. So they get to create right. a narrative about the way this country was founded and the things that this country yeah. has, quote, gone through. They get to write the narrative of it and then create the rules based off of that narrative. Yeah. Well, we yeah. had to send people after our slaves because they were running away. Okay, well, they, they were trying to <laughs> free themselves of your abuse, of your rape of every heinous thing that one the the idea that a human being can call themselves a human being while doing the things that they have done to people that they paid money for it is 
beyond the I cannot even imagine how what kind of a person you have to be to be able to do that but then to to say well they it's their fault they ran away that's why we had to create a group of people to go after and then created a system you know it's things like that that create the system because they wrote the rules they wrote the history they wrote the rules and and they get to hold on to this perceived idea of power yep and that that's is why not perceived that month. becomes real right yeah and that's why black history month is so important so that we can mm -hmm. talk about the fact that our history is checkered with good and bad we as white Americans really screwed some things up severely. We need to be able to talk about that. It doesn't make Kim or Dan responsible for that. No, because but it does we make do us responsible for the future. Exactly. Oh, the, yes. Thank you for that. That's that's where that's where I, my mind was going. Like, I'm I, I'm not at fault for what happened, but I'm responsible for what's to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that fair to say? That's totally fair to say. And that's and that's how I look at it. Like and we need to be able to talk about it. We need to be able to have these conversations in, in you know, black history. I mean, some of the my gosh, some of the things that our fellow Americans have, have done who happen to be not white, like we need to be proud of that. Those are Americans we need to be proud of. Not push them down because they don't happen to look like our quote founding fathers. Um why shouldn't we be proud of those? Those folks and, who did that, right? And in some ways, shouldn't we be a little bit more, a little bit more proud and impressed because they did it under a system that told them not to? Don't get out of line. Right. Don't try and be better than the station that we have put you in. Don't do any of that. But then to push back yeah. against a system. Well, and. And, and it, why why don't we do that? Because we love the underdog story, right? We we're mm -hmm. talking about like it's February, so it's Super Bowl weekend. We're talking earlier about the underdogs. I don't want to like Tom Brady because he's not the underdog. But I, but like, but we do. We love a good underdog story. Why don't we look at our fellow Americans like that? It's just I mean, it's a because, silly way to look at it. I know. Like there's so much. Because then we there, would but... have to remember that we were the ones that made them an underdog. We were the ones that I said, mean, you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna decide that I am better than you for no reason at all nothing has made that true but i'm gonna decide that because i'm white because of something i had no <laughs> i did nothing to have white skin and but i've decided that that makes me better than you and i can't tell the underdog story without telling people that i was the one you know what i mean yep yep um so you, you when you were talking about when you described how we should, you know, celebrate because they were doing so much under so much oppression. Um, so my personal connection to a story like that, I helped co-found a nonprofit at one point that served World War II veterans and took them to DC to see their memorials built in their honors, in their honor. Um, an amazing experience. We had the fortune of meeting at the time, the oldest living World War II veteran. She happened cool. to live over in Detroit so female, number one, that's like, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, she happened to be a black American. So the fact that 
so and so here's her story. So here's part of her story. Her name uh, was Emma Didlake, Big Mama, they called her. Uh, and what a privilege to meet her and her granddaughter, Marilyn. Um, and Marilyn Horn is still one of my uh, connections. I don't, know if, I don't know if she'd consider me a friend or not, but maybe. <laughs> but we have conversations still. Um, she's an amazing woman. Uh, but anyway, but Emma, you know, she was, I want to say, 38 years old when World War II was going on. And she decided in this country that didn't really consider her a full human being still to serve her country. And she drove trucks for the U S army here, you know, in, in, in the U S so she didn't go over to Europe or into, you know, uh, Asia, but she served in the army here in America. And she's a world war II veteran to a country that didn't really care about her as a woman, as a black American, and yet she stepped up and said, but I want to serve this country because she saw the, you know, the good in us. She saw the opportunity. She still loved her country. How much more patriotic can you be? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. And so like the fact that, that we don't tell, you know, her story more, why not? If we're so patriotic, she needs to be one of the top stories we tell. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So anyway, that's, I, I loved working with Emma. She was a, an amazing, I, I'm so fortunate to have met her. I got to travel with her and Marilyn to uh, the White House. Uh, president Obama was in, was in office and she was so excited to meet the oh, first man. black president. Like, dude, it was incredible. D- dude, wow. you're a dude now. Sorry. <laughs> That's cool. I'm from San Diego. Everyone's a dude to me. I mean, right. <laughs> Probably not the um, best way to do it. Yeah. but And, and I, actually, I don't really do that anymore, but I, I'm fine with being called a dude. It's funny. Well, maybe we'll have to have a conversation about this on one of our shows. Um, I had an interview on a different podcast that I that I produce uh, with a therapist who identifies they them, and their name is Poppy. And I would traditionally look at this person as a male. They're a dad, and so like I had a hard. I didn't have a hard time saying they and them. That was like I got I got there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. My problem was a couple of times I said, all right, cool, man. Because man is one of those words that I don't even yeah. think about being genderized necessarily. I just use it as like an, a modifier or whatever. Um, so anyway, so there's a whole conversation about gender we could have too. Um, okay. So we got sidetracked. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Focus. To both of our listeners. Something that I, we have three listeners. Well, actually four. I just heard from another friend of mine who listens, Don, Don listens and I'm, and I'm, and I'm thrilled. Trivia I was like, Don? you listen to awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Don Stanley. Yeah. So hi, Don. Um, so we have four now. Cool. Anyway, back on track. So Black History Month. Where where yeah? What what do we got to talk about? You know what I was just thinking about is I was thinking about Black History Month. I was thinking um, that I hope that, but often you know this happens. Um, we don't treat Black History Month like we treat our anti-racism books that we all bought last summer. And now they're just now. I, I don't. I don't do it that way. And I'm you are getting, you, look at you getting so mad when I haven't even accused you of anything. So why don't you sit down for a second, relax. Let me finish my sentence and say that, Dan, you've been very good about this snowflake. as well. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, but a lot of people do buy these books and, and leave them on the shelf. Yeah. And, yeah. Because yeah. Look, at, look at how much of an anti-racism, anti-racism, um, anti-racist, that's, the way to say that word. Oh, look how much of an anti-racist I am. I have all these books. Right, right. That I can get full money back for at Barnes & Noble because I have not even cracked the spine of the book yet. But I'm, I, yeah. see, I'm not a racist. 
And yeah. I well, and that. and yes, yes, and yes, and yes, that, and also, look, I have these anti-racist books. Have you read f- books of people of color who just are authors? Yeah. Well, well, no. no. Well, what? Why not? Like, you know, read their, listen to their poetry, watch their poetry, read th- their their books, understand that there's a culture out there that isn't yours. Um, I'm trying to do that. You know, I mean, look, I still love listening to uh, my Metallica. Uh, but I also will listen to other artists who, again, happen to not be white because there's some amazing art out there yeah. that I ought to be understanding their culture and building that bridge myself. Um, yeah. I just, uh, as you say that, yeah, realize yeah. that the three, I'm very behind on my reading goal so far this year, um, but hoping to make it up at some point. But so far, the three books I've tackled this year, none of them have been written by a white person. And actually, only one of them was written by a man. Nice, right on. But that's only three books. Yeah. I've, out of the, I don't know, six or eight or whatever that okay, I've read so far this year. aggressive to me, first of all. You're, wel- you're welcome. <laughs> uh, several of them are either, you know, about women, written by women, uh, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading right now Dr. Ibrahim, Dr. Ibram Kendi, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And that one, like, that one's my my educational one. I've read other ones that are more entertainment, um, but I just listened to uh, a book, find another dream from Maysoon, And I don't remember her last name, but she is a comic. She has cerebral palsy. She is, uh, she is Muslim. She is a stand-up comedian. And I just listen. It's, it's, it's a memoir. And I just listened because it's a different perspective. Yeah. Right. And I understood something about who she was and oh she's palestinian as well and so she talks about you know being a refugee and, and going back to palestine even when the world won't recognize its own country like it it, it was incredible and, it, and again just eye-opening the fact that i could humanize another person who i never would have thought of connecting with or listening to just because it's a big world out there yeah anyway so yeah, so we'll the, the lesson here the is I've, I've like read, book. It, was, it was very good. Um, the lesson yeah, here though really want... is that I've read more books than you. So anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry that I interrupted your sick burn on me. Maysoon <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zaid, that's her name. She was fantastic. Cool. Yeah, we'll have to put that yeah in. I will put that in uh, in the show notes for sure. So yeah. Anyway, um, so that that's our, anyway, that's our thoughts on Black History Month. Is there the point is to sum it all up? We're going to put Harriet Tubman on the twenty dollar bill, and racism is solved. I think we figured it out. And for that matter, right. so is um, sexism. We've solved them both. I think. So that's right. We we have a we had a black president, so we're good. We're mm-hmm. we're done. Yeah. You know, so the 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 Harriet Tubman discussion is a very interesting one t- to me mm-hmm. because there's two sides to that story too. There's the push to, to put her on the $20 bill, which is supported by a lot of folks, a lot of people of color. And then the other folks who are people of color have said, no, don't do it because now you're just basically like trading currency, just like you traded us as, as a people. And it's like, wow, there's such a perspective. Again, a discussion to be had that if your leadership is not diverse you're not having these discussions. So whether it happens or not, whether people are happy with it or not, the fact that people are discussing it is uplifting to me. 
Um, I hope that, you know, what needs to happen happens, whatever that looks like. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. No, I, I agree. And I think that's one of the things that I've been happiest about so far with the Biden presidency. Now, let's not get it twisted. There have been some things where I'm like, could you one move faster? Could, you know, no, nobody is perfect. And therefore, no presidency is perfect. And the danger of thinking that a president is perfect is you fall into a cult like uh, mindset of it. Or then if they're. Are you saying that there's a cult mentality support of a previous administration? Huh? Mm, yeah, Reaganites. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wasn't that great. Also. That's a whole. <laughs> um, that's a whole. That's a whole. We should do a deep dive on that one. Oh, I would love to talk about how we've rewritten history about Ronald Reagan. Um, side note, uh, not to promote other podcasts because people should only listen to this podcast, your <laughs> podcasts, and my other podcasts. But yeah, um, sure. there's this sure. comedian, this this kind of up and comer comedian. Conan, Conan O'Brien, <laughs> Conan's podcast. Oh, Conan O'Brien needs him. a friend. He's fine. He's like a kind of a smaller comedian. <laughs> Conan O'Brien needs a friend. I love our story, by the way, about Conan. We'll get to that in a minute. Oh yes, we should. Gosh, um, but his he had Ronald Reagan's son on after the insurrection, just because he's he. Conan is such a presidential history geek um, which i love really? so much so when you listen to his i can't recommend his podcast enough when you're done listening to this one um but he he just wanted to i think he needed just like we have created a whole podcast to have he just needed some friend therapy so he brought on ronald reagan's son and it was very interesting to hear him hear his perspective of um hmm. yeah uh i don't know well, what I'm i was trying what i was starting to say right yeah it's great what was I starting to say when we were talking about presidents? Oh, um, one of the things that I've been so happy to see so far with Biden's presidency is um, how he is making up his cabinet and his advisors and just kind of creating a world around him that looks more like America and the our, you know the way that we are headed as a country. I think that that is really, really important. It, it is vital in any situation, particularly in politics – that that we have discourse and we have people in there whose whole job is to disagree not to be a contrarian and only disagree but to to be steadfast in their beliefs and say i i really think this and this is why and so you can have those conversations and when you're having those conversations and the people in the room look more like what our country actually looks like not what you want to pretend it looks like you're going to have better conversations and you're going to be writing legislation that betters the entire country, not just six states that vote every four years. Right. Right. Yeah. I've long said in, in leadership at the nonprofit level, anyway, sitting on different boards of directors, like I, if I were leading a board or leading an organization, I don't want a bunch of yes minions I want people who are smart, who have a diverse set of skills and knowledge and opinions and experiences challenging me as the leader or even as a peer, you know, I, I want them challenging me. And sometimes we're going to agree on everything. Awesome. Great. We can move forward. Other times you're going to tell me what I'm missing and that's even better. So yeah, yeah. I love that that's happening. And and I agree. Like I, I love the idea of not 
like I, so you know politically speaking i voted uh, for biden and i'm and i'm proud of it i will absolutely be proud of that doesn't mean that i love everything that, that, that he does or that you know kamala harris stands for necessarily but you know what i love a lot about what they're doing and i will speak up when i'm upset about something that's what we should do. Like we shouldn't Absolutely. fall in the line just because they've got a D or an R. Like that's that's my party. I think that we should speak up because we want them to. First of all, we want them to the idea of a of a president, vice president, is that they make our country better. But then the idea of a president or and vice president to align with your party, we want them to represent our party as best as possible. I want Joe Biden to be the best president possible. I want Kamala Harris to be the best BP best VP possible and then go on to be the best president possible and just like with a friendship just like with raising a kid all of this stuff the way that you're not going to allow that to happen is just to stand back and say no you're but you're you're trying so hard or I know but you're 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 your heart was in the right place or you want to no you want to push them and say you were wrong to do this I we asked you we voted you into office to do that and you haven't yet and now you're doing something completely different and to push them to be better people. Yep. Amen. But that said, Kamala Harris can never do anything wrong because she's perfect and her shoe game is so strong. I mean, <laughs> and I wore Converse um, on Inauguration Day because I was so excited. You've always worn Converse, haven't you? Or was it Vans? I wear, I mean, I wear a flat no matter what. Um. So we'll we'll wrap it up. And uh, that's how we should Black wrap History up Black Month. History Month conversation is me talking right, about right. wardrobe at work. Whoops. That's not <laughs> yeah, my well, favorite thing that I've ever done. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's conversation. It's yeah. it's what our America looks like. Um, I do want to end with uh, the this. Uh, we promised the Conan story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for, for all four listeners who are like hanging on our every word, mm-hmm. uh, I love the Conan story because this was a, a period of time – where you know I got to come visit you in, in California and we got to go to a show and you got tickets to go see Conan on his extremely short-lived tenure on The Tonight Show. I know. In between Jay Leno and, oh, that's right, Jay Leno. Uh, I could do three episodes about Jay Leno. <laughs> I bet. Um, just, just an incredible moment in, in entertainment history. And I got to see the t- a Tonight Show recording and it was so cool. And then he was off and on his TBS thing. And uh, so, yeah, so that's that's the story. It's it's not it's not nearly as amazing as what people were, were probably hoping for. But I have th- two Conan stories if we want to help people out a little bit. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you let, think let, that the people are, are clamoring for a Conan O'Brien story. Uh, when I was a tour guide, mm-hmm. I was we, has, we used to have to sometimes stage this. You stand outside of a stage, wait for tours to come into their soundstage. And I was standing outside of a stage just kind of doing nothing and we had a show on the lot that was using very nice picture cars i don't remember what kind of car it was but i remember that everybody would stop and look at this car and so i'm standing out there and i see conan you can't miss him he's walking around and he stops to look at this car and for some reason i just thought this will be stupid and funny to just call out to him excuse me please don't get so close to my car (laughs) And he laughed so loud. He thought it was hysterical. And then he walked on. And it was like my greatest thing that ever happened to me is that I got a laugh out of Conan. And he saw me in my tour guide uniform. And probably what he was laughing at is like, there's no way. 
and also just like he's so nice and i i don't know so like years pass and this is the still like it's one of my favorite laughs that i've ever gotten is i got conan to laugh and now i'm working on a show and my friend and i are on a golf cart and we pull up to the um warner brothers operations office to deliver some pizza to them to say like hey we're back and we're gonna need a lot of favors so enjoy this pizza while we call you incessantly and uh those offices happen to be in the same building as Conan's production office and the stage and everything like that. So we're, um, we pull up as he's walking in and we're all kind of walking in together and I'm holding like two pizzas in my hand and he goes, Oh, is that for me? And I said, no, please don't touch my pizza. And I walked off and I got a laugh again from him. And uh, here's all I know about Conan is that he loves presidential history and you'll get a laugh out of him if you're just kind of a jerk to him. He doesn't deserve it. He is <laughs> the nicest guy. But the two times I've ever gotten, ever have any interaction with him, I got a good laugh out of him by just, um, I guess, kind of being rude. <laughs> Not even in my nature. So, <laughs> so my 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 genuine hope is that someday you get to actually work with him or have him on a show or something and tell him those stories so that he can say, I do remember both those times actually. Cause that would be amazing. <laughs> I hope so. I can't imagine there's a lot of people telling Conan O'Brien that they can't have his pizza, but if, if, <laughs> right, you, right. if you're out there, please email us my at gmail.com. We want to know the times that you told Conan you can't have pizza. Absolutely. Yeah. And Conan, as you're listening, email myamericapod at gmail.com and, and tell us that you remember that that little hobbit telling you no. <laughs> I'm five one and a half. I'm the same height as Rachel Bilson, America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So that so that gets us to uh the myamericapod at gmail.com. Follow us at myamericapod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also I'm at Dan Moyle on Instagram and Twitter. So you can follow me there if you want to tell me how dumb I am. Uh-huh. Uh, it's very fun to do. I'm at Kim Moffat uh, Conan. You can just find me right on there, Instagram and Twitter. And um, there we go. There you go. And that, that was Black History Month, uh, even with our silliness in, in the middle there. But what, what, you know, I would love someday that we don't necessarily have to highlight it in the shortest month of the year because Black History is just part of our history and we are talking about it all the time and mm -hmm. not simply whitewashing our history. So that's my my hope for my America. Are we doing the, that outro again? Cause I didn't, I forgot about it the first time. <laughs> Which outro? What one? We did, <laughs> Your one. Hope we did it. For, we did it. We did it. I'm, oh, no, I'm going to cut this, this part. Okay, that's me fine. saying that. Or, let, or just let it keep going. That'll be our, our yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, a three hour episode. No, that was good. Um, do you want to continue? Just leave this recording and do another one. Uh, what do you want to do? Okay. Um, I did have on our spreadsheet, the tyranny of ore. Uh, this is a fascinating thing for me. I, I There's nothing necessarily prepared. Um, but I just think it's, it's really interesting. Are you, are you okay? Just bullshitting basically. Okay. I would, yeah. Okay.